Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes the binge Hey everybody, welcome to the Binge Movie Podcast In which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases From our own queer-ass perspectives I am Jason Leroy I'm Rebecca Olarte And today we're gonna look at The Boss, The Invitation, and Demolition And as always, we're gonna review these on a three-tiered scale With Binge It being our highest rating Consume in moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And send it back means... Life is too short for that mess. And let's get ready. Jason, what's up with you? Oh, well, thank you for asking. <laughs> well, last night, me and Scott went and saw a, um, a live performance of Macbeth at the Berkeley Rep starring none other than Francis McMotherfucking Dormand as Lady Macbeth. How was that? She was so good. Yeah. Of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and the role of Macbeth was played by that one guy on Game of Thrones who I think his character's name is Varys. He's like the bald queen who like soothsays and kind of... I don't watch... watch Game of Thrones. Oh, come on. <clears throat> Meet me halfway. Just once. I can't. Okay. Well, I respect I don't, that. I don't get your Dance Mom references. <laughs> I don't get your Game of Thrones references. Well, I, I feel I like I'm get getting your... you closer with Dance Moms than with Game of Thrones. <laughs> which is so <laughs> bizarre. Which is, I mean, it's, it's better. It's a relief. It's refreshing is what it is. These <laughs> girls are professionals. That's right. They are. Uh, so, yeah. So that dude plays Macbeth. And, you know, set design, the set direction was amazing. Art design, all that stuff was really, really good. I feel like I'm just personally over Macbeth. Uh, and we talked about this a little oh, about the, when mo- you the watched movie. Macbeth, yeah, when yeah. we watched the movie, I was like, I feel like Shakespeare's time is just done. Really? And I feel like well, in, yeah. watching it last night, it's kind of like, yep, nope, this is not better than uh, than watching it in the movie. Um, I mean, it was in the sense that I was in the room with Francis McDormand. Right. And that was great. Um, but still, kind of a snooze. With that said, during the intermission, uh, Scott and I went outside, and as we're walking back in, I walk past somebody, and I look, and I'm like, looks familiar, could just be another regular bookish middle-aged Jewish dude from Berkeley, or is it Joel Cohen? Really? And it was Joel Cohen. Oh, that's fantastic. And not only was it Joel Cohen, he was with Mark Rylance. This year's surprise Oscar winner for Best Supporting Actor. Wow. Yes. So I was shitting myself. And guys, this is not I like... I thought you were going to say Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> I know. Just like I thought when we watched the Oscars. I'm like, Mark Ruffalo. Oh, oh Ryan, Ryan. Yeah. Ooh, Oh. I uh, thought so... you were going to say Joel Grey and Mark Ruffalo. I am very disappointed. Where's Kevin Sessoms? You're like, end of the story. Moving on. <laughs> you didn't see him either? <laughs> uh, Gadfly. So, um, yeah, so I was like, and, I, and, and guys, this is not the only night. This is not like one of those things where it was like, oh, a one-time performance of Macbeth and Rhythm McDormand. She's doing a whole run of this for like a month and a half or something at the, at the Berkeley Rep. But I'm oh. like, did I have that good of luck to go on what I imagine is like the only night that Joel Cohen and Mark Rylance are there? Because they that can't be. be going over and over and over again. No. And, and then I was trying to think of like, oh, what, what would be the connection between those two? And then I remember the Coens wrote for Despise. Oh, they did. They did. Oh, yeah. So, um, so afterward, um, after you know, after the play ends, I'm like, I'm you know, snooze, snooze, and I even <laughs> restrained. I, 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 I restrained myself from getting up during the curtain call to like snap a picture because I feel like that's the only time when you're seeing live theater that you can snap a picture is during like the curtain mm-hmm. call. Yeah, I didn't even do that. I was like, oh, fuck this play. Wow. Um, but uh, but as we're leaving, and I'm just like hunt, you know, hunting through the crowd looking for you know Joel Cohen and Mark Rylance. And I don't see them. But then as we're walking out the door, 
Joel Cohen is standing right there like a, like a nebbishy security guard <laughs> just hanging out just by himself, no one around him, so much in my way, not super crowded area. I was like, this is a silver platter moment. Like yeah, he's, it's, been, it's been given to me. He's right there. I'm like, grow some fucking balls, man. Just say hi to him. And so I kind of like approached and I was like, Mr. Cohen. And he's like, yeah. And I had thought like, what would I say? And yeah, I just, what, do, what would you say? I decided to keep it. I didn't want to like, cause I mean, you could say entirely too much when you're talking yes. to Joel Cohen, if you're like meeting him just in public randomly. So I was like, I'm going to keep it succinct and recent. So I said, I was like, I just wanted you to know that I loved Hail Caesar so much. I saw it three times, which is true. I did watch it three times. You did? Um, yeah. I, I have now seen it three times. Only oh, Only once in the theater and I never paid for it. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but I have watched it three times. You know what would have been appropriate? Co- commenting on his wife's excellent performance. Well, no, because I don't be like, oh, you know, wasn't your wife great? I always just feel weird walking people I don't know and being saying things like your wife. Oh, like I know that you're married. I know yeah, all about your life. Exactly. Your house looks great. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's too personal to be like your wife. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I can see that. So I also you need to learn to say it in a different way. Yeah, that's the only it. way. I'm just like, hey, what's your wife doing tonight? <laughs> it's oh, involuntary. God, I can't over. do anything about it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, and he 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 gave me a playful tussle on the shoulder and went, oh well thank you i'm glad you liked it and i was like Ooh. and then i was like well good night and i was turned and like you know ran toward the bart station going like oh my god that's awesome so yeah so it was it was it was a trip and i had to like try not to think about all the amazing things that he's made over the years yeah um you went with hail caesar moment. interesting yeah well i mean it's his most recent movie and yeah. i did really like it and i felt like you know he always hears about like oh, i love fargo i love raising arizona mm-hmm. i love I feel like he doesn't get Hail Caesar as much. Not yet. Uh, so, so I wanted to, you know, give him something other than what he normally gets. Uh, I'm sure no gay guys ever compliment him about Hail Caesar. <laughs> I don't know what you're implying about my taste. Uh, Obvious. But I am offended by it. Uh, so anyway, Good. that's what's up with me. What's up with you, Rebecca? Uh, not too much. Um, let's see. What is up with me? I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of basketball and we're closing in on the end of regular season, getting ready for the playoffs. Mm. So um, very excited for the Cavaliers. Um, hopefully it'll be another Cavs-Warriors showdown here in the Bay. Um, that happened last year, Jason. Oh, I, I okay. see your mind like trying to be like yes. these names. <laughs> Guys, if you could see my eyes and the glaze over them. Yeah, there's a little bit of a glaze, but you're still working a little bit I'm to like, try. Mm-hmm. You're really trying. trying. Felt like you were. I um, mean, I feel like if you could watch five minutes of Dance Moms with me, I can try to meet you halfway <laughs> in this basketball conversation. I appreciate it. Thank sure. you. Um, so, yeah, I'm just really excited for that. Um, mm. Tonight, the Warriors and the Spurs play, which is... Uh, it's going to be a really big game because if the mm-hmm. Warriors lose tonight, they're not going to keep their record that they're going for this year, and the Spurs are a very good team. Okay. Um, so it's Sound, kind of like a big clash sounds, of... Sounds dramatic. It's very dramatic. Oh. And there's gold and blue and oh. silver and black and okay. a lot of balletic um, movements oh. across the court. Maybe I think you'd like basketball, Jason. Okay. It's not very, very it's, aggressive. Sounds like it might be a little bit like a Housewives reunion. It's a little... <laughs> so maybe. Yeah, there's a little bit of catfighting, um, mm-hmm. a lot of not a bitching. I mean, it sounds like it's kind of like the same thing going on back and forth over and over, which is very much what a housewife <laughs> reunion is like. And yes, there's just like uh-huh. two main points, and there's like they're very much aligned, like divided down the middle. And one half is mm-hmm. Kate is trying to prove one point, 
The other half of you has to prove the contrary point mm-hmm. to ultimately defeat the other. Yeah. Uh, so, so yes. So put, tell it to me in Housewives. Okay. <laughs> that is your sport. Yes, it is. Um, yeah, I think you'd be interested. Maybe as we get into um, the uh, playoffs, we, mm. you, we can go watch a game together. Perhaps. Didn't we do that last year? Didn't I? I was like missing out on some kind of award show because you guys were at that bar we are, it was right before we were going to go see that one. Oh yeah, yes, yeah. we did. Uh-huh. Yeah, was that like, was a was weird like, one because it was like super loud. But I feel like we can go to somewhere that where you would enjoy it. <laughs> okay, yeah, I mean that was that was fun. It was fun for me. It's it's nice being in a context in which you have no no relevance at all. Yeah, um, I enjoy it. Oh, excellent, perfect. Yeah. Yes. Well, then we'll definitely go. Fantastic. Shall we get to the movies? Let's do it. Okay, the first movie we're going to look at this week is The Boss. A titan of industry is sent to prison after she's caught for insider trading. When she emerges ready to rebrand herself as America's latest sweetheart, not everyone she screwed over is so quick to forgive and forget. What is all this? This is my way back. We are going to start a brownie empire and teach these girls real business skills. We want some good recruits. Get in there, go for the aggressive girls. I feel kind of sweaty and scared. It's just the coffee kicking in. Oh, you know what? Oh, I may have switched them. I put a little splash of bourbon in mine. So this is another Melissa McCarthy vehicle, um, but this time it's not... A Paul Feig movie. Correct. Um, which were Bridesmaids was mm-hmm. um, Spy. The Heat. The Heat. Basically her best movies. Mm-hmm. And this one is directed by... Her husband, Ben Falcone. Ben Falcone. How um, does it stack up? Well, it is not a Paul Feig movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is better than the last time she and her husband made a movie, which was Tammy. Oh, right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, with um, upcoming friend of the show, Susan Sarandon, <laughs> <laughs> playing the role of her mother. Uh, or grandmother? I don't even remember. But anyway, so Tammy was pretty wretched, mm-hmm. and um, it, it, it kind of didn't bode well for what Melissa McCarthy and Ben Falcone would do when left to their own devices. Right. She kind of pushed Tammy through with the star power and capital that she got from Bridesmaids and everything mm-hmm. with Becoming a Star. Um, and then everyone saw it and was like, ooh, this yeah, is that, not, this that is not a funny movie. Stinker. Um, so uh, so this is this is better. You can tell that they, they learned some things. And uh, and in this time out, it is the, the funnier bits are more frequent and they are actually funny. So that's great. It's still, you know, it's still very uneven. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's far from a great comedy. But like, did we laugh? Yeah, yes, we did. We, we laughed. laughed a fucking lot. We did laugh a lot, um, and not just because of her. There, are, there are a lot of hilarious female actors in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We so have Kristen Schaal. Kristen Schaal's in it. Right off the top, we have Margot Martindale, mm-hmm. uh, who is a genius. They have a so one of the issues with this movie, just for a brief tangent, is that it decides to give uh, this a lot. They cover a lot of span in the prologue. And uh, and it kind of they they pack a lot into this prologue before we get down to like the the plot at hand, mm-hmm. yeah. and um and the oh the opening of the prologue has to do with of with um this Michelle Darnell character as a little girl just continually being returned to the Catholic orphanage that she had been the dropped off at, um so she'd go with the family for five years they drop her off again and that was such a funny idea just that and Margot Martindale played like the beleaguered nun who mm-hmm. was like working there just had to keep taking this 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 the angry young woman back in 
um, that was cracking my ass up. Uh, and then it's over, it's over and done with inside of a minute. And then we just kind of leapfrog over a couple of other milestones in her life. Like suddenly she's super wealthy and then she's in jail and then she's out of jail and starting over again. And that's when me the story takes place. So a lot of these other women who were in the movie are in it very briefly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Margot, Mar- Margot Martindale is just in that opening scene. Kristen Schaal's in a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Cecily Strong, who's right. in like two scenes. We have Kathy Bates. Oh, right. Kathy, Kathy Bates, Bates is in this movie. And, you know, any movie that has a scene where Melissa McCarthy and Kathy Bates stand in a stable wearing wigs <laughs> is okay with me. Like, you can't be that mad at a movie that has that in it. Um, and, uh, and then Annie Mumolo also. Annie mm-hmm. Mumolo gets a lot of laughs in this movie. Yeah, Her uh, and Annie Mumolo was the co-writer of Bridesmaids with Kristen Wiig, and she appeared in the film as the uh, woman having an anxiety attack on the airplane. And also was the woman that David O. Russell ripped off right, uh, the for screenplay joy. of for joy. Yeah. Uh, so she might have some anger to work out, which she <laughs> she gets to do in this movie. So, uh, so yeah. So these lots of... So Melissa McCarthy surrounds herself with great ladies in funny little roles, um, but it's very much a McCarthy vehicle. And there are also a handful of funny dudes in the movie. There are. Uh, so the main dude in the movie is played by Tyler Labine, who is like a bear beefcake. Or like I a, would say the a bear the, bear cake. You'd say he was a, a bigger role than uh, Peter well, Dinklage. I'll get to those two too. But I feel like by the end, you know, Tyler Labine emerges as a love interest for Kristen Bell. We didn't mention Kristen Bell. Oh yeah, Kristen Bell. Because she's she can be she can be forgettable. Uh, <laughs> but she is sort of she's like the foil. She has to play straight man to Melissa McCarthy in this movie. Mm-hmm. She plays her assistant who McCarthy crashes with after she gets out of prison. She has nowhere else to go. And then kind of gloms on to Kristen Bell's daughter's Girl Scout cookie operation and decides to, like, refashion it as a for-profit enterprise. Uh, so uh, Tyler Labine is a slice of bear cake as a love interest. And then we have a HBO in April double feature of Peter Dinklage and, uh, and Jonah, Jonad from Veep, mm-hmm. uh, Timothy Simons. So Tyrion mm-hmm. and Jonad uh, together at last. <laughs> and... Uh, and Peter Dinklage goes super eccentric with this performance. He really does. Like, you can tell that they were just like, go fucking nuts. <laughs> like, you know, make it as weird as you want. Like, Melissa will go with you wherever you take this yeah, <laughs> the, this character and the relationship that they have together. Uh, so uh, so that was, is really fun to watch. Yeah. Very, very, uh, very good chemistry between the two of them and their weird. <laughs> yes hypersexual relationship yeah yeah and you know it gets it gets past even though uh you know they're kind of cast you can get like okay they're supposed to be just kind of an implied physical joke of just the reality of their bodies together in like sexual congress (laughs) uh it's meant to be sort of a sight gag uh whenever you first see it going down just like when they paired him with leslie jones on on the naked and afraid sketch on snl uh, but you know, but it's more than just a sight gag. Like they are also also very gifted comic actors, mm-hmm. and they play a lot of different parts of the characters, not just the obvious. Our bodies are very different. Angle. How much of it, like what did you think about the physical comedy versus the funny dialogue in this movie? Like as you mentioned, like their relationship has a physical mm-hmm. aspect to it, and there's a lot of almost violent no it's definitely there's violence there's there violent slapstick yes. comedy that happens yeah there's one scene that feels like an homage to the like michael anchor, bay movie to, to the anchorman gang war from oh anchorman. yeah yep <laughs> uh yeah this movie is not afraid to be ridiculous mm-hmm. like 100 absurd no claims to reality just over the top 
And that's what makes it so fun is because like it's kind of like there's no rules for the comedy in this movie. It just yeah. kind of goes wherever it wants to go. And um, but what I thought was interesting was, you know, on the one hand, you have this very extreme physical comedy, some of which you see in the trailer. And um, but the movie ultimately has a really kind of tender emotional heart to it. Mm, yes. Yes. Uh, so this which is something that I found to be true with. Uh, Identity Thief, uh, which was one of the first uh, vehicles that Melissa McCarthy got after oh, was that with the... Jason Bateman. Yeah. Uh, so it seems like, you know, she she's not going to play this kind of role if she feels like there isn't some kind of emotional arc to the character, mm-hmm. something redeeming about it. And, uh, and it can be a horrible character. Like, that character was a horrible character. This character is, like, abominable as a woman. Uh, <laughs> you know, but she wants there to be some kind of, like, psych- psyche behind to explain why this woman is the way she is. In this case, it has to do with her trust issues from right. the, having been this orphan who was repeatedly dumped by family after family after family. Um, and so when the conflict inevitably does arise and she finds success with this uh, Girl Scout cookie operation, uh, I kept thinking like, okay, so the conflict is going to be that she's going to turn around and backstab Kristen Bell and be like, I'm going to take all your profits. We were never friends. Right. But instead, it's not that. It's actually a more, a much more kind of emotional um, uh, conflict that arises out of Michelle's uh, trust issues, mm-hmm. stemming back to her childhood and her kind of uh, inability to accept that there could be a family dynamic that would be real and that she could trust. Right. Yeah. Her just fear of a family dynamic or yeah. a family relationship. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of, like being vulnerable to people and counting on them to like be good. Right. Uh, so, which I, so I, I thought that that was an interesting choice. Uh, for what the inevitable conflict was going to be mm-hmm. once we got past the obvious montages of them finding success. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sounds like a really sweet movie. You know, she helps with the Girl Scout troop. Mm-hmm. There's this, like, emotional center. Um, it sounds like a PG-13 movie. Yeah. But it's a hell of an R movie. It is. It the is. The jokes are it is. hilarious. It is super R. And they're very R. Yes. And that's when McCarthy's at her best. Like, I think that, you know, she when she just goes unhinged and just starts like machine gunning all this insane fucked up shit out of yes. her mouth and everyone just kind of has to go along with her like she's very good at that you know she's good at improving physical humor she's good at improving like deranged like just riffs uh she she's you know those are her gifts and i feel like even though one could argue that we've seen her already do those things a lot that's what she does in every movie she's in mm-hmm. with the exception of maybe like saint vincent the Bill Murray movie she played supporting role in. Oh, I haven't seen that. Um, so, you know, that's that's what's so fascinating about her is that, like, she's, she was able to, like, volley into the leagues of movie stars that only play the leads and have vehicles built around them. Right, from Gilmore Girls. Yes. <laughs> from, <laughs> from, from, Gil, from Gilmore Girls to that. It was a trajectory. And, uh, and, and so she tends to play the same, same kinds of roles in these movies, which I'm not going to ding her for because like all movie stars generally play the same kind of role that plays their strengths movie after movie. Right. I, I, I do hope that she continues to kind of look for those interesting supporting roles to play where she can, you know, like play up those different parts of her, of her character and of her personality. But, um, but you know, in this case, that is that's just kind of the deal and she's very good at it, and she's very funny so like and if you find her funny mm-hmm. i do i know there's a lot of crap dudes out there who are like ah, i'm tired of her shtick and i'm over it that's I, i'm not I, I could watch her do that shit forever so i was perfectly <laughs> happy to laugh my way through this movie i don't think i've seen any of her other movies i i, I consider myself to be kind of cautious on taking her i humor. thought you were going to say movie illiterate 
<laughs> but no, you cautious. Go with what you cautious. were saying. Cautious, um, because what I know of your humor, I'm not that I wasn't that into. But I, I found this movie to be hilarious, and now okay. I'm going to go back. I, I mean, you keep talking about I mean, how good Spy is, so oh I God, need to so go good. back. Well, and it was that. in our top ten last year. It was year. in our top ten last year. Um, uh, and you didn't see Bridesmaids? I, oh, I did see Bridesmaids. I don't consider that. I yeah, I mean, she movie. she was supporting in yeah. that, but I mean, yeah. they made her a star and it got her uh, an Oscar nomination. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I didn't really like Bridesmaids that much either. Really? Oh my. I can't like a movie that has a significant portion of, like, all I can remember is, like, the, where they get food poisoning. Oh, all the pooping? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I the, Oh, and the vomiting. Oh, the yeah. vomiting. Yeah, that's where it gets you. It's hard, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because they show, and they, they, they show her throw up into, like, a when in front of Covey's hair or something. Oh, oh yeah. No, well, mm-hmm. she's shitting into the sink. Yeah, that's that was it. the height of, the height of glamour. <laughs> but I definitely want to go back and check out Spy. Um, yeah, check out Spy and The Heat. There's just so many like little moments in this movie that are so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, just lots of weird details. Weird details, which I always think is, is hilarious. Yeah. Um, what What do we give in this movie? Uh, I'm gonna say consume moderation. Yeah. Because as we said, like this is by no means a great comedy, um, but it gets the job done in terms of being fucking funny. It's also the kind of movie where it's almost entirely women talking to women. Yep. Um, and not about men. And not about men. Um, and the male characters, especially Peter Dinklage and uh, and Joan Ad, are, are kind of kept off to the side to talk to each other. So, mm-hmm. uh, so you get behind it politically in that sense. And yeah. I was uh, I was in favor of it. So, consume moderation. If you like to laugh, you'll like the boss. <laughs> the boss is out now. It is rated R for sexual content, language, and brief drug use. And that's going to bring us to the invitation, which is our pick of the week. Pick of the week. Pick of the week. Pick, pick, pick is the pick, pick of, of the week. week. While attending a dinner party at his former home, a man thinks his ex-wife and her new husband have sinister intentions for their guests. So there is no trailer for this movie in our um, podcast because we are going to be so very sensitive about giving you too much. You shouldn't look up the trailer for this. We're going to be very careful about mm. how we review this movie. It is the pick of the week, though. We do want you to watch it. We just don't want to tell you anything about it. Right. Yes, we're going to be very careful about what we say. Uh, because it is a lot of fun. This movie is, and not just and not the fun, but just what makes this movie so remarkable is just l- getting to live out this mystery mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and trying to untangle it bit by bit along with this protagonist who's put into the situation and it's like what is this exactly uh because this is a movie that teases you all the way to the end mm-hmm. before it actually tells you what's up and this is very much like another, another recent pick of the week which was 10 cloverfield lane which gave us that same feeling of we were like is it and we were very careful about that one as well mm-hmm. we didn't right. want to ruin it for anybody exactly but you're like what is in this one this one has a better coda than that one mm-hmm. does mm-hmm. Uh, in terms mm-hmm. of so when things finally get to to the point where they can't go any further without disclosing yeah. what's actually happening um when that hit that point in Tank Cloverfield Lane, it then had a coda that a lot mm-hmm. of people felt like was the only weak part of the movie. It felt like tacked on. Yeah. The coda in this movie is chilling. Very, very chilling. Um, but, so this movie presents a conundrum that you'll find here on the West Coast in, mm. in LA. Yeah. Um, is this a cult? Or are these just new age weirdos? Yeah. Yeah. And then here in San Francisco too. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Parties. 
Absolutely. I think all these people are so interesting. Uh, whoa. 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 Uh, mm. Oh, no, no, no. I believe in myself. I already don't like you. <laughs> this is, we I'm need sorry. to go. I do est. I don't need this. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it does kind of feel like a funny satire on like, because as you'll see this, when we can say that, you know, it takes place at a dinner party. And the people at this dinner party, they take a lot <laughs> They do. They go through quite a bit without ever actually like, like some of them kind of are like, oh, I should probably go. But for the most part, they're like, eh, they kind of take it all in stride. Yeah. They're like, I live me. in Los Angeles. I go to a lot of dinner parties. I've seen weirder shit than this. <laughs> there was definitely a part of me that was just like, like, y'all need to leave right now. <laughs> yeah. Get and the fuck then, out. But then it was like, okay, I was trying to think of my, if I were in that situation and this doesn't give it away too much, but it, mm-hmm. these people are kind of reunited. Um, they haven't hung out in like two years, but they used to be really close and they're, they're kind of trying to kick it off again. So I'm trying to think of people that I was close to two years ago or I'm sure. close to now. And, and if something happened that and, sort of caused a rift and, and, and you know, I'd be more you, trusting of them. You know, a lot of weirdos too. I do know what, I, I, this could come from anybody I know. Yeah. It could be absolutely anyone. And it'd be just be like, Oh, well, you know, like they're off on some kind of trip about whatever. Right. Uh, you know, so because this, this, the, the, the tension, the dissonance does have to do with these friends. They haven't heard from in a while, having taken on a new kind of belief system. Mm hmm. Um, and so, and Which again, doesn't feel like a religion. Like it's just a very kind of thing that you would hear anybody sort of. Yeah, it's like a philosophy. It's yeah. like a philosophy, but there's also some kind of like non-traditional medicine elements to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it all felt very like, yep, this is something you'd hear at a, at a house party in LA. Right. Uh, not at all surprising. Right. Uh, so you can kind of buy in a satirical way why more of the people at the party don't just get the fuck out. Right. Exactly. Um, who's in this movie? Um, Tom Hardy? <laughs> yeah, you would think so. <laughs> um, so this movie stars Logan Marshall Green, or as I like to call him, Tom Hardly. Hey-o. Hi-o. He, you may have also been confused by his presence in Prometheus. Uh, if you were like, oh, that skinny little Tom Hardy cutie was in Prometheus, Tom Hardy was not. That was Logan Marshall Green. <laughs> and, uh, if you have not yet realized that they look alike, then just do a quick Google search of their names together and you'll find lots of side-by-sides. I was just showing to Rebecca. It is <laughs> freaky. It's really uncanny. Um, it is like, I feel like legally there should be a problem <laughs> with like two <laughs> like actors. Can you copyright who, somebody's face? Can you? Like, was that what that movie Simone was about? I feel like, <laughs> you know, to have two actors who are working at the same time and who are around the same age who look this similar. Yeah. Like, I feel like the last time we had something like this was kind of like, in like 1996 when like Joey Lauren Adams and Renee Zellweger mm. uh, kind of looked the same. That that took a turn. It did. It took a turn into my fa- into my heart is where it went. <laughs> and also Jewel. Jewel kind of looked like those two girls too. Yeah, but that was, she always had that different thing going on. What was that thing? It was like a tooth. <laughs> it was like a, it was a rogue tooth that set her apart. Rogue tooth, yes, uh, and the crazy snaggle tooth. Whatever I you call it, she was she was dubbed on SNL once. Call and it my, in my Alaska. mom and I still quote to this day. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but yeah, so these these two dudes look very similar. But this is not Tom Hardy. This is Logan Marshall Green, and he is he's very good in his own he's right. Very good. Very good. Um, he carries a lot of the weight of this movie. And he does. He does you know, it very well. He, he is our our entry point as the audience to try to understand what's happening, mm-hmm. and he kind of you know embodies our own growing intensifying paranoia and fear and like self-doubt kind of, yeah self-doubt fight or flight kind of instincts mm-hmm. um 
Tammy Blanchard in this movie. Holy shit. That was intense. She is a wackadoo for the ages in this movie. <laughs> and I had, she I couldn't tell yeah, you. Yeah, it's like, pretty creepy. I know I've seen her in a lot of things over the years. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you a single one of them. She's never made an impression. And I will never forget her performance in this movie. Yeah. She is otherworldly and unbelievable. And I feel like there's still a part where it basically, there's still like somebody you kind of know that like, it's not like so unrealistic that it's right. like. Oh yeah, I know. It's very. But that's that's what makes it so who chilling. Who does remind me of? But like a little turned up, turned up, turned up, not turned up, <laughs> turned up. Right. Yeah. You're just like yeah. I could see this. Like yeah. This this is a real person. Yeah. This, that's what makes it so scary and so effective is that you can see like oh yeah like that girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she is fantastic. Mikhail Huseman, uh, who uh, I had no idea. Uh, had such an interesting movie in the can whenever I interviewed him last year for The Age of Adeline. Um, I feel like I had so little to talk to him about at the time. You lost <laughs> me on this one. So Mikhail Huseman, he he's also on Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Um, but he um, he was on Treme, and then he kind of hopped around. He was on Nashville. He was on Orphan Black. Uh, he is in Wild. Um, hmm. Okay. And uh, and so, but this is by far Mikhail Huseman's most interesting character he has yet played. Uh, he's very good. And then also, so we were talking about uh, Miracles from Heaven a few weeks ago, and I was saying how insane it is to see John Carroll Lynch, alias Twisty the Clown, <laughs> playing this 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 happy go lucky priest who's like giving happy homilies at church on a Sunday morning. And I was like, no, because that's a bad dude. <laughs> he only yeah, plays he bad dudes. Yeah, it's not hidden here. And yeah, the, let's just say comes in, across the, in this very... movie, he does not need Twisty the Clown makeup to like just make your blood run cold. Yeah, he has a very unsettling way and, about him. Yeah. So yeah, fantastic ensemble cast. Very diverse ensemble cast. Yeah, it is very diverse. I should point out. Um, so we have we have you know we have good we have like racial diversity. We have sexual orientation diversity. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's it's really kind of laudable in terms of of the cross section of actors they put together for this for this cast. Um, the actress who plays Logan Marshall Green's girlfriend is having a moment right now. I cannot pronounce her name because it is a lot of letters. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently she plays, um, she's in Miles Ahead, the Miles Davis movie. Oh, okay. And she was in, she was, I think she was the lead in Middle of Nowhere, Ava DuVernay's first film. Oh. Yeah. And so in this movie, she's kind of playing a girlfriend role. Yeah. Um, yeah. But just the fact that they cast an actress of color in the girlfriend role and did not make a point of saying like, oh, your girlfriend's black. Like None they never that. say that. Not so. at all. None of that. Not at all. Yeah. Um, so we have great acting. We have a clever script. Uh, but a huge portion of the credit of this movie working so well goes to the director Karen Kusama yeah She's from Girl Fight from Girl Fight and then she did Eon Flux Eon <laughs> Flux oh is Charlie there? yes yeah mm-hmm. she did that one I never saw that one uh, no one said no one seemed to think I should be in a hurry to <laughs> were you not um, an Eon Flux fan no from, like, I never the, the whole 90s. liquid TV thing I always was like weirded out by it I oh, never okay. I never got into it but um, but then, so I'm guessing what happened was, you know, she did a girl fight, and then they're like, oh, well, let's bring her up to the majors, and let's give her this big thing, so they gave her Eon Flux, didn't go so well. That was and, her creed. Uh, yeah, that was, except for it didn't, didn't, wasn't a, a home run. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but then she made Jennifer's Body, which oh, I, right. which I love. I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast before, but I'm a big apologist for Jennifer's Body. I think it's fantastic. And, uh, and this, 
this movie is such a masterpiece of tone and of tension mm-hmm. and mood and atmosphere. And these are all things the director does. You know, a screenplay doesn't do that. A screenplay can put the you know can put like the nuts and bolts in place for the story to you know ratchet it up in that sense. But in terms of what you feel when you watch this movie, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the director working in tandem with their crew, um, you know, to to make that happen. And I feel like this movie almost immediately just starts to burrow under your skin. Yeah, and it never stops. I feel like this movie, like so many movies take place in L.A. and mm-hmm. have this sort of like L.A. feel um, that it can kind of tire of it easily. Um, and and even we were talking a couple of weeks ago about Mojave, just this idea of like, oh, it's a film about L.A. and L.A. Mm-hmm. people. And you're just like, oh, this is like so tired. But this does it in a way where it's no question where it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also... Um, it's also like kind of a charming part of it. Like even the architecture of the house that they're in most right. of the time. They're up in the hills. Mm-hmm. It's picturesque. Lots yeah. of lots of views from the hills mm-hmm. that are used mm-hmm. to kind of startling effect. And and yeah. even you know and even the uh, you know the isolation factor mm-hmm. of you know they this is one of those movies where you know there's bad cell reception and that plays a role in you know the drama to come. Um, so, uh, but it does have a really strong sense of place, um, without needing to be like a LA cliche movie, which I don't really feel like it gets into. I feel like it's very kind of smart about the way that it uses its setting. And, uh, and that's, and that's one of the cool things about it. I had just yesterday, yesterday, I think, um, had been going down a Wikipedia wormhole about, um, Charles Manson Mm -hmm. and like the house from the Sharon Tate murders. And like, there was like a delivery guy that got killed by accident. It was like Mm -hmm. one of the guys in the, in the Manson family, um, was like, like printed out his Wikipedia page and made all these like hand note edits and he like sent it in so that he can get his Wikipedia page updated. Oh my God. So that was like the news story that was like my my entry to the wormhole. And so after Oof. listening to these, reading these stories about like, yeah, it's like LA is so crowded and so busy, but then you go like just a little bit out and you're so secluded to where these like, you know, these crazy things can happen and you're all by yourself and nobody can hear you. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie, just the tone of it made brought me back to that and yeah. reminded me that these things happen. Yeah. People are crazy all yeah. over the place. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, the, you know, the spirit of the Manson murders kind of looms over the movie, if only because, you know, we're going to a big house in the hills mm-hmm. and we get a sense that, like, something isn't right. And then at the beginning of the movie, there's some reference made to, like, oh, there was just a bunch of people oh, right. yeah. died in mm-hmm. a house nearby. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so you that that they they definitely kind of smartly you know plant that seed at the beginning so to make you even more paranoid about like well, what the fuck is this, but also but like we're saying you never really know no you don't know yeah like it takes it like literally until it could not go any further before telling you what's happening it takes that long to tell you what's happening right there's and you so go many back options. and forth tons of times mm-hmm. and there's a red herring to kind of throw you off and and it's, right. yeah it's 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 very well done I like it when a movie makes me doubt myself. Yeah, I generally I was like, no, but I know, I know what this has to be. Right. But it made me completely like not just a little bit, but completely give up on what I thought was happening. Yeah, same here. Uh, it's the pick of the week. It is so binge it, and so this movie is in select theaters right now. Yeah, so it's opening at select theaters. You can also get on iTunes starting today. Oh wow, starting right now. Yep, starting That's awesome. right now. Um, and it is not rated, but we'll probably get an R for violence, language, and like general fucking freak out yeah and it'll inspire fun conversations with you and your friends over like what would have to happen at a house party for you guys to be like you know what let's go yeah yeah that's a good uh game to come out of this yeah it depends on how close you were with the people to me yeah and these people are very close yeah so that's all you know we see 
the intimacy and what they experienced together, the shared trauma in their past. Yeah, and I feel that like they've got like a point to... where they've been friends since like uh, college. Yeah. So there's some history there. Yeah. So again, all the more testament to this movie that like you can understand why they wouldn't have just run out like that. Yeah. When would, when would make you leave my party? <laughs> just turning on the basketball game? Like Scott being like, I'm bored. That's good. I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it to see it was a hard-fought battle. <laughs> um, okay. Last movie of the week is Demolition. As an investment banker struggles after losing his wife in a tragic car crash, his increasingly confessional series of letters to a vending machine company catch the attention of a customer service rep with whom he forms an unlikely connection. I find I'm suddenly starting to notice things I never saw before. Well, maybe I saw them. I just wasn't paying attention. There's been time in my life. Phil said it himself. If you want to fix something, you have to take everything apart and figure out what's important. I feel like we need one more sound effect for, like, Pantheon notice... Of sad white guys. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's like a, maybe like a choral hymn or like a. I know. I don't know yeah. what the right sound what would be. Is would it just be like everybody hurts? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll work on that. Okay, great. And we're still working on our send it back sound yeah. effect. Uh, thank you to my love Alicia for her suggestion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we are we are busy at work because we're not going to have a send it back this week. Spoiler alert. Uh, so, uh, but when it comes up again, we'll look at that. So, um, this movie is the latest by the Canadian director. You are the more French savvy one than I am. Jean-Marc Vallée. Jean-Marc Vallée. Um, who was on quite a roll after helming Dallas Buyers Club and then Wild. Mm -hmm. That was two years in a row. Two consecutive years, yeah. How does this, how does this stack up in the streak? Uh, it is not as much of a sort of event movie as those two were uh mm-hmm. those 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 were both kind of just bigger dramas this is a more i don't want to say understated but it's a lot more of a comedy in a lot of ways it really it really leans mm-hmm. into uh a lot of a lot of just cleverness and wit and sort of a playful absurdism uh like so, about the meaninglessness of life yeah well i mean so what we have here is a story about um a man who you know after his wife dies suddenly and senselessly he, you know, just abandons his high-paying job at her dad's firm and then just starts ripping things apart. Um, just everything. Everything. Just smashes everything around him at all times. Just Hulk smash. And then just starts trying to, like, piece it back together again. So literally breaking things. Quite literally breaking things. Going back to his house, smashing all the walls, smashing all the furniture. And, you know, just generally carrying on like a crazy person. And, you know, <laughs> and taking this kind of dictum that he got from Phil... Um, which I think was his father-in-law, to be like, yeah, you don't understand anything until you take it apart and put it back together. And so he is trying to find meaning and make sense of everything that's happened Mm -hmm. after suddenly being, um, you know, becoming a widower. And that is the path that he takes. This sounds familiar. Uh, You know, there is, there's a long history of this narrative of, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of like the, the, you know, sort of bougie white dude in a soul-crushing corporate job who decides to say, fuck it all, I'm going to go out and live more authentically. Fight Club. Jerry Maguire, mm. you know, they're out there. Uh, so this is very much uh, of, of, of a piece uh, with those, um, except for, you know, it's 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 it has its own kind of, it's the absurdism, really. It kind of plays with the absurdism a lot, which is kind of fun to, play, uh, to watch. And it's made in Valet's very, very distinct... Uh, visual style 
Uh, so it's all about memory flash cutaways, fragments of voiceover, these puzzle box visual cues that kind of gradually reveal themselves and bring you closer and closer to realizing, let's say, you know, he's picturing some kind of flashback and you only see just the quickest little fragments of it until, you know, toward the end of the film, you just see more and more of it and you're like, okay, that's what he was picturing. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it's an, it's a, it's an interior, interior world approach mm-hmm. that Valet has to telling his stories. And he really broke through on Wild with that in particular. That was what I love so much about Wild um, is, you know, just like you are there in her, in Cheryl's head while mm-hmm. she's going on this hike, just reliving and reliving and reliving these different parts of her life about her mother and her marriage. And, and um, so this is very much the same style, it kind of further refines it. But at the same time, it seems to take itself less seriously um, than Wild did. And it kind of does play more for comedic effect because we have this whole story about how he is writing letters to this, right. this, 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 you know, uh, conv- the vending machine company, vending machine company. And uh, this is where Naomi Watts comes in because it turns out she is the one who works customer service for this chain of vending machine companies. Highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. In real life. Yes. And uh, and uh, so, you know, in one day she decides to just pick up the phone and call this guy who keeps writing letters to them about his wife. And um, and that's how that relationship forms. There's also um, there's like a gay, a gay teen that he befriends mm. randomly. Um, so uh, that's fun, but yeah, you know. So <laughs> it just it just it doesn't it doesn't have the same dramatic impact and heft of of certainly not of Dallas Buyers Club, and not of Wild, which kind of did a a better job finding a balance between the drama and the moments of levity. And this one you think is more on the levity, more in the levity side. Yeah, this one's more levity, and it's also a story we've seen too many times before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so just in terms of you know, a guy rejecting the establishment and all that shit. Right. Uh, so, um, but you know, it's done in a really you know, Valet is a fantastic director. He brings his distinct approach to the material. Couldn't couldn't be acted better by yeah. you know Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal, Jake Gyllenhaal, Naomi Watts. You know, these are excellent actors, and they are fantastic in the in the film. Do you think this is a, an awards contender? Because the other two were major award contenders. I feel, award contenders. <laughs> I feel, I feel like it's not. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think that this is the kind of... They were very smart to wait until now to release this movie because if the fucking rapturous critical response to everybody wants some, as any indication, um, this, is a, <laughs> this, this is the time of year that you release your kind of middle-brow, art-housey movie mm-hmm. and yeah. just, like, have critics eaten out of your hand because... They've been starved. We're all starved from watching, you know, like, the direct that gets released in the early months of the year. Um, yeah. And, you know, just any kind of, you know, nuance and sophistication at all, we just jump at. Right. Um, this would be torn apart if it came out in November. I think it would just be underwhelming if it came out in November. I mean, this is a film that I saw at Toronto in September last year. So mm-hmm. I think that's in the I think they just announced a day or two before it premiered that like, oh, by the way, we're not releasing this until April. It's like, what? <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> I think at the time we're all thinking, okay, here's Valet's Oscar movie for this year. Right. But then, no, they, they smartly were like, mm, you know, I think this would get lost in the shuffle this award season hmm. because it's kind of a smaller film. Um, so they, they made it a spring release, which I think was smart. And, uh, and you know, you could do worse. This is by no means a bad movie. It's just, it's just material we've seen before. Yeah. Um, so what are you giving this one? I didn't get a chance to see this one. So, um, I actually didn't want to because I thought it was like a boring fight club. Um, (laughs) 
but now I'm kind of interested if it's, it's really uh, absurd and um... yeah it's absurd it's melancholy I think you would dig it um, I, I would give it consume moderation um, it's not quite a binge it but mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a consume plus consume plus yes um, and demolition is out now uh, and it's rated R for language some sexual references drug use and disturbing behavior that's a wrap that's it guys um, thank you so much for listening um, this has been a great time <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was the one who felt that way um, on behalf of Jason this has been a great time um, but thank you so much uh, be sure to tune in next week um, and if you are if you're enjoying it subscribe and rate our um, show on iTunes um, and that's it you can follow us on Twitter as well. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at the Jason Leroy. I'm at Fight Balance. Uh, bye-bye. Bye. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end. That's amazing. There, there goes, goes the, the binge. binge.